Dude, I have this beautiful balcony. <clears throat> I have I have tomatoes growing. Tomatoes on my balcony. Nice. I don't know if this is the part where I should burst your bubble and say like almost everyone in Chicago has their own balconies. Wow. No, no, no. Yeah, it's another one. Yeah, girls them summer song. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the one and only podcast that turns boys into men and girls into women. It is Idea Lemons, Discover Your Inner Awesome. This is the conversation show where we have conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians and explore the questions that are constantly in our head but only ever get voiced after we've had a few with our closest friends, the questions that ultimately help you kick ass at life. I am your co-host, Rajiv Nathan. As always, I am alongside Martin McGovern, and in this episode, we sat down with Carla Blumenthal. Carla is the founder of T Plus Purpose. T Plus Purpose brings radical authenticity into the world by inspiring authentic, action-oriented conversations over tea. She's also given an awesome TED Talk called Why There's Freedom in Discomfort, and given Carla's background, we sat down and we explored honesty and truth, specifically How do you learn to trust yourself? Before we dive in, quick reminder, check out more at idealemon.com, subscribe to our email newsletter, join our tribe. We take conversations like this and blow them out to a whole nother level to help you continue to kick ass at life. All right, let's dive right in now with our conversation with Carla Blumenthal about how do you learn to trust yourself? Let's listen in. Because this has been my... My focus, honestly, my practice in the past, I would say, two to three years. Um, it's, I believe it's the foundation for everything that, it, it's the foundation for happiness and growth in my future. Mm-hmm. So understanding myself and going from there is actually going to make life in the future more, I don't know about easier, but uh I'll be more in touch and things won't be as surprising (laughs) when I find out about different aspects of myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. So do you guys trust yourself? Like right now? Yeah. As a person? As a person. Like what is it about, what is it that you do and do not trust about yourself? Hmm. I think overall, yes, I do trust myself. Again, that's the answer to every... Yes, of course I do. I, I, I am 100% perfect in every way. You're the Mary Poppins of podcasts. <laughs> no, but I think that... But that came through a lot of, like, through learning to trust yourself, right? Um, I think there are several years of kind of cutting through bullshit and figuring out who do you want in your life, who do you... Or what do you actually want to do with yourself? So, you know, like... Certain friends get cut by the wayside as a result of that. Who's on board with what you're doing, I think, is really important. Who's on first? Yeah, who's on first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think those things really help you learn to trust yourself. And then I think, too, just going through shit that, like, going through things that you realize you don't like doing and that aren't for you help you, you know, these, like, I don't know if you want to call them uncomfortable situations because when you go into them, you probably think, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this. But, like, just take professionally, for instance. Like, in college, I really thought I wanted to work in sports. And then I worked in sports in college through some internships, and I was like, I don't like this at all. I mean, it was, like, kind of fun, but 
I was like, I just want to be a fan at these games. I don't want to have to work the, you know, the scorer's table while I'm at these games. And then so it's like trial and error. It's like, okay, I, I tried that. It's not me. What, what mm-hmm. do I try next? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting question because I'm going to get a little meta, but it's like, okay, do you trust yourself? Well, don't you have to know yourself a little bit first to know whether you trust them? Um, so it's like, okay, I, I've been thinking a lot about, do I trust my body? Um, is it communicating? How is it communicating things to me? My body, I never listened to my body before. Mm-hmm. And it is now, I'm realizing, one of the best, uh, forget society, forget my family or friends about who's telling me what I, you know, what I should, shouldn't do. My actual emotions and the way my body in terms of like how it communicates to me, that's how I'm learning. I have to actually learn and train myself to trust how my just body's talking to me. Um, so there's like a self, yourself, you have to actually learn who that self is. Um, and that's a whole process. And yeah, it goes back to like going out and doing things and trial and error. Uh, but there's several components to that. It's like doing things and then trusting your actual body, which is communicating to you. And then trusting your emotions and your gut. And that's uh, your intuition and your gut is something that's, uh, I think, a practice because our society tells us how to really not listen to that too much. Yeah, I think that's a really great point because, you know, you think back to college or you read about what it is to start a startup and you see on people's posts on Instagram saying like, you know, if you're not up all night, you're not hustling kind of a thing. And um it's always an interesting take because we're taught that if you just continue to work nonstop forever, you're going to succeed. But it really doesn't end up being that way. You end up burning out really hard over and over and over again until the things you're striving for either fall apart or... Um, or you start hating or, them. Well, or, or you achieve them and you've fallen apart in the process, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is tough. Because I remember in college, I never, and even still today, I have trouble with it on a week-to-week basis of actually listening to my body. Because I used to just, you know, oh, I'm tired, but everyone wants to go out, five-hour energies. And I was, yeah. I was uh, after college, I remember my first job, I actually had a 24-pack of five-hour energies in my drawer <laughs> at my desk because it was I would be up at 4, a, 4 or 5 a.m. every day for the commute and not getting home and then working on side projects. And then it was just crazy. And I think that you make a huge point of, it starts with knowing yourself physically. Then, once you get that under control, you can start thinking about the mental as well. Yeah, completely. And I think our society tells us, like, I don't know, just something about not necessarily following that intuition or your gut. And I can't tell you how many times um, in my teens and early 20s, like, I sort of knew, I felt my gut saying, mm, do this or don't do this. Uh, deep in an instinctual level and I did or did not follow that and I said to myself wait a second I knew the answer from the very beginning and I did or didn't follow it um, and Can you so think of a specific time maybe when you were really young or a time when you did actually like one of the earliest times that you you went with it went with your gut yeah I mean I think I guess I'm thinking about uh, major decisions 
when I knew something would be healthy or wouldn't, like, uh, I mean, the largest one is going to school. Like, uh, I went to college at James Madison, and as soon as I stepped on the campus... (laughs) <laughs> yes, he, he I think he's one of the shortest presidents that we've had. Literally. Like in there's stature? A, yeah, yeah. I think he was five one. I think his nickname was Baby Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Yeah, so I don't know. I, I like I stepped onto the campus and I said I, I didn't know much about the programs, I didn't know much about the people, but there was an energy. There was something in my gut that said, Okay, you need to go here. Um I'm thinking about uh, there are times when I've uh, followed through with particular people and didn't really have a particular reason as to why. I just knew mm, their their energy, what they're working on, who they are, seems it's, it's attracting me to them. I should follow through, and that's led to, um, in particular, my first job. Uh, I actually, <laughs> this is a good example. So I was in Boston. I went to uh, a one-year grad program up, uh, up in Boston, and when I was done, I was offered a job, and this was in 2009 at the height of the recession when no one was getting jobs, and, but I, I wasn't in love with Boston. I knew I wanted to be in New York, and I was sitting there, and I, I knew the answer deep within me, I needed to go to New York, but I was, oh, you know, 40k and and benefits, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have any other prospects. And um, I have a friend actually. We were walking around and we sat down, and she literally took me by the shoulders and shook me, and said, "Carla, what are you doing? You know, deep within you, that you need to go to New York. It doesn't matter whether you have a job or not. You have told me, and you're just not listening to that inside of you." Um, so within a matter of weeks, I, I told the company I wasn't going to accept, but they connected me to people in New York and I followed that rabbit trail and actually got a job from the people that they connected me to. So because I followed that, I actually needed reinforcement to follow that gut instinct, but, uh, that led me to on a whole new path. Martin, your first job out of college, was it something that you said, yes, this is for me? No, of course not. No, it was it was uh, a very rational decision that um, came with, it was one of the very few offers I had and it paid the best. And mm-hmm. um, I talked with my family and they said it's the right thing to do. So I did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's actually interesting though because that is so different than how I chose my college. Because mm-hmm. um, I chose my college, I only applied to I think three colleges because I knew I wanted to go to DePaul. Because I had family that went here, I visited the school, but the whole time that I was applying to go to DePaul, and when I accepted at DePaul, and at the end of my freshman year, and the end of my sophomore year, at the end of my junior year, the end of my senior year, my mom would keep asking me, you know, the first time you saw this place back in high school, when your brother was here, you said, I'm never going to DePaul, I hate being on this L, I'm never going to this school. And she's like, are you sure you made the right choice? And I don't know why, but every year she would ask me that question. And even like two years out, she's like, are you sure you made the right decision going to DePaul? Mm-hmm. Like, because you said that one thing way back when. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, I mean, that was just one time on a train that I'd never been on a train before and there was someone stinky. Uh, <laughs> but when I actually went to the campus and I saw the campus, 
there wasn't a question of where I wanted to go. Yeah. And it's funny because I was over on the, the river walk yesterday and I was just sitting there on the brand new river walk that they, that they just put in. Um, looking up at the Marina City, and I just had this moment of which is a high rise. By yeah, the way. it's it's two high rises that look like corn cobs. Uh, you'll see them in all the Chicago pictures. Um, but I just had one of those moments that I had all through college and and the whole time I've lived here. Of I might travel other places, I might live other places, but this this is a new angle of a city that I've never gotten to see before. And I've been here however many years, mm-hmm. and I just love this city. And there's always been that gut feeling when I chose to go to DePaul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this really goes to uh, kind of what we said on our first episode with Matt Wilson about this idea of the shoulds and the expectations versus the wants and the, well, shoulds and, ex- and out external expectations versus the wants and the internal expectations. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to do things because we think we should do them, right? Like, I remember, and I, you know, and I went to DePaul. I probably, I think I applied to four or five schools, and I knew I wanted to go to DePaul. Uh, I was, in retrospect, had University of Illinois accepted me. I may have gone there because my brother went there, and a bunch of people from high school. Like the thing in like Illinois is, like half your high school gets accepted into U of I, and then U of I becomes yeah. high school part two. When I would have <laughs> gone to U of I, but only be, if they had accepted me, I would have only gone because it was. A better business school like mm. credentially it would have right. been better but right. like Which I, I had no that, you know <laughs> well I, yeah but i also had no actual want to go there yeah. when i actually visited the campus yeah so yeah same thing like their business school rejected me and i didn't go there and, and who knows maybe i still would have declined but i know a lot of me because i grew up like rooting for the illinois sports team like you know illinois basketball and football i was like yeah i want to go there but depaul was actually the only school that i actually personally visited and i think i applied to like indiana and uic all the normal midwest places yeah you know standard um but i remember you know not that like my parents were saying don't go to depaul but they were like are you sure you don't want to look into other places like for i remember my dad being so caught up on this school in ohio called case western i don't know if Mm -hmm. you've heard of it Mm -hmm. um it's like right outside of cleveland and a friend of mine in high school's dad was on like some board there who had mentioned once like yeah i can you know you know the whole like yeah i can put the resume or not the resume but like i can do something with the application nudge, nudge. yeah like and who knows if any of that actually means anything and to this day my dad will still be like and he's he's, he's happy that i went to depaul but he'll still be like yeah, I don't know why you never looked into Case Western. So and so could have gotten you in, and I'm like, a, I don't even know if he could have actually gotten me in, and b, I didn't want to fucking go to a school 20 minutes outside of Cleveland. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's what's so funny because then there are all the ripple effects happen from that gut mm-hmm. decision, and um, I mean we wouldn't be here today if both of us didn't go out on our gut with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that really interesting. Um, when we approach kind of so like there's the big the big decision trusting yourself but then there's also kind of the smaller everyday decision yeah. trusting yourself and um carly you'd mentioned uh the daily practice well you'd mentioned practice how how mm-hmm. trusting yourself is a practice that you you approach um do you do you have routines that you do daily as you kind of go through that mm. well i have developed I guess internally a self-talk mechanism that 
uh, allows me to, I, I would say it's a practice and it allows me to see when things are fear in, in me, fears, anxieties, and when things are the actual truth. It used to be really muddy for me um, before I had more self-awareness, which is growing every day. But um, I used to not be able to decipher in between all of these emotions and just make sort of very emotional, uh, very emotional or very rational decisions. So I've learned um, to one, actually just identify my emotions, um, which is, was very helpful in then actually being able to place them in the right area because then I could easily identify fear or easily identify anxiety or whatever the emotion may be. Um, so that was something that I, I still do. I talk to myself, I say, okay, what was that? <laughs> mm-hmm. What was I just feeling? Um, because if I don't do that, I, that will overtake me. Um, so there's, there's actually, there's a book that I read, um, more of a spiritual book, uh, but called Falling into Grace by uh, this spiritual teacher, Adaya Shanti. He's a, a teacher out in San Francisco, the Bay Area. And really the main thesis and similar to a lot of the mindfulness movement is that, you know, a lot of the reason why we suffer is because we believe our thoughts we believe um, the stories that we, uh, you know, create in our mind. So I think one of the daily practices that I have is uh, is just emotion labeling, um, so that that I can make better decisions more in line with myself. Um, and I actually just started coaching as well, um, sort of around this concept. Um, it's like basically emotional development coaching and, and coaching around empathy and really the first the first several weeks are all about just emotion labeling because that's the foundation to building on top of that self-awareness and 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 then more practical I guess daily uh, uh, practices like you know I guess meditation and and you know some other, uh, aspects you may incorporate, but I believe that emotion labeling is sort of that it takes a long time and is a daily thing that I, I need to do. I think the the emotional labeling, that's really like, that's interesting because I know oftentimes, and this is something that sometimes I get mad about, or not mad, but frustrated with, is I have trouble actually just experiencing what's happening. And I often, in you know, in any given moment, I'll think about I'll have the thoughts of what's happening and then I'll also take a step back and say why am I thinking about what I'm thinking about so it's like a second layer deeper but mm-hmm. then that can get frustrating because I'll just be like can't I just experience this for what it is and not yeah. have to do this like double thinking about it and just enjoy it or just feel it you know mm. and not have to analyze everything yeah yeah that's true that's that's another side to it is I think yeah, then it becomes then you're you're you end up thinking a lot. Um, but uh, there are practices like um, there's actually an app out there called uh, Mood Meter, and it's it's really cool. It came out by the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, and it's basically a plot of all these different colors, and they just give you all different um, emotions that you can 
sort of label in the moment and then it keeps track and it shows you a graph over time as to, you know, how you were feeling. So, you know, then it doesn't become so much of, oh, you know, what am I feeling and sort of, you know, having to be sort of cognitive about it. You sort of just feel it and you can label it in this app if you want. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I hear you. Then there's the counter side where it just becomes a lot of thinking. And I think we want to get out of too much thinking and more into just being uh yes being i yeah um i listened to deepak chopra the other day and he was like we are not human doings we are human beings (laughs) i like that i love that yeah because i was like i have been trying more of just being and not always having to have my whole schedule filled and you know just actually just experiencing more of life and just doing stuff just to do it yeah i think that's and i you guys made so many good points there. I think the one thing with that mood meter app, um, someone else had recommended uh, to put a reminder on your phone that just pings you every couple hours and asks mm. how you're feeling. That mm-hmm. way it doesn't interfere with like in the moment while you're experiencing something uh, extremely happy or extremely sad, you have to take yourself out of it. It's more of an, oh yeah, like leading up to this or my, my general mood throughout the day. So I like that it tracks it sort of at random or at, or at intervals so that you don't have to go into it and come out of it and go into it um, during the, the heightened moment. And then also um, with the human being aspect, um, how do you guys actually feel you can... Oh, what's the question? How do you guys actually feel you can separate yourself from that overthinking aspect of it because I I, even when I am kind of going with the flow unless I'm really exhausted or something like that I feel like I just constantly ruminate Um, that you do yeah yeah (laughs) so like I don't know I feel like some of the reasons that uh, people will not listen to their body is so that they can push themselves to a point where they can turn off their brain or like people who will work until they fall asleep because if they try and go lay in bed, they can't stop thinking. So they just get back up and, oh, I'll just work until I literally can't be awake mm-hmm. anymore. And mm-hmm. I know I've done that. And so yeah. um, are there ways – I know you, you know you mentioned meditation. I know Raj does it every morning. Are there things that you guys have experienced that maybe calm you down or have helped you become more of a human being and not a human do, <laughs> doing or, or mm-hmm. whatever it was? <laughs> I yeah, like that phrase. I think, well, yeah, meditation has been a huge part, of, which I just started doing this year. Um, that's been a huge part because it's it helps me organize my thoughts. Like I don't sit like right now I'm at 17 minutes a day and I've slowly been building up to get to 20 minutes a day, maybe a little bit more. We'll see. But right now I'm at 17 and those 17 minutes is not me sitting there trying to get to zero thoughts or trying to say I need to turn my mind blank it's me just I focus on my breathing and then I think about what's going on today what's important versus what's unnecessary and what do I you know what do I want to get out of today kind of thing so I think that puts me more in in, in less it puts me in less of a go 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 task 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 mindset and more of a hey I'm doing this because I want to do it and I, I don't know if that gets me more to the human being or more to the human doing, but that's just what I'm. That's how I'm. I'm interacting or how I'm perceiving things going attempting on. Attempting to, yeah, to attempting. address it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I have uh, what I would call meditative practices. So I've started, I would say the past couple of months, eating my food very intentionally. So I always used to just scarf down whatever was in front of me. Um, when I worked in advertising, I was always eating dinner at the office at like, you know, eight o'clock and just eating whatever was there. And now I'm very much, whether I'm making my food or if I'm, you know, picking it up somewhere, I still like, I smell it. I like eat it slowly um, or at least try to. It may, doesn't always happen, but I at least... I say, okay, I'm going to, I appreciate this. I'm going to eat it slowly. And then I actually feel more full. Um, so there's, I think, meditative things that I'm trying to incorporate. So eating slowly. Another one is, uh, I, I mean, being in New York, I walk a lot. Um, but I, now I've just been going and walking for no reason um, without going somewhere. So there's like a little dog park down the street and sometimes, you know, I'll just go and walk around there and look at the kids and the dogs and, you know, everyone hanging out and just not having a particular purpose and just saying, okay, this is 15 minutes. That's it. And I'm, you know, going to come back, but at least it's, uh, a opening walk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we kind of did that yesterday. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> well, we did that yesterday and I also did that on the way back from where, where we were by the Starbucks. I walked down the that riverfront, man, it really does like allow you to kind of zone out. It's great. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's no, I like that the wander walk. I used to, do, yeah, when I was working at an ad agency, there were days where I would just get up around lunchtime and just walk twenty minutes around whatever direction I felt like going. I wasn't even necessarily like going to pick up lunch either. Like I may have even had lunch that I brought with me at the office, but mm -hmm. I was just like, I need to step away from everything and just kind of like I don't know, decompress is the right word. But reset, at least. Yeah. Well, and to do it without, and I think the, um, without intention, too, because I, I think a lot of times when we're walking to work um, or we're running, people listen to music. So when I, when I walk to work in the mornings, I tend to listen to podcasts or audiobooks, and I used to listen to music while I run, but I, well, for running, I've stopped listening to music just so that I can totally be clear-headed for once in the day, right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Every once in a while, I'll overdo it with uh, audiobooks and things like that. And so I'll be on the commute and I'll just be like, all right, this is a no headphone day. And those days can kind of, you know, clear out your head a little bit. And maybe, maybe it's finding ways to have the morning be with something and the evening be without or vice versa. Yeah. Things like that. Well, on the flip side, though, I mean, these are kind of what we've mentioned just now are the unintentional things. But I think at the same time, doing things with intent are just as important. So, like, on the meditation front, right, like, the whole reason, you know, and we've, I've tried meditation before, right? Like, we tried it for Ideal Lemon stuff two years ago, and it didn't stick because I had no intent behind it other than, hey, maybe I should try meditation mm -hmm. versus this time around, I started at the beginning of the year because I said, I have a lot of negative thoughts in my head about my ex-girlfriend, and I need to let go of those and get over her. And that kind of set me on this, like, literally, it started with me saying to myself, yeah, exactly. It started with me saying to myself, I need to breathe in positive thoughts and breathe out negative thoughts. And then mm. that just gradually t came, turned into, 
you know, slowly one by one, like you start to just like forget that that was even thoughts in the first place, and you're just kind of over that thing, and then you move on, and now it's like now it's where practice. now now my headspace is. What do I want to do for myself today? What do I need to get done? What do I want to get done? You know, what's something that could interrupt that? And that didn't, you know, none of that happens unless my original intent to want to get more in touch with myself was, hey, I need to get past this negative mind state that I have. And it's funny, I think if you listen to our first few podcast episodes, like, you'll notice a difference in how I talk in those versus how I talk in the podcast now. Because there's, and I, I know it at the very least, I don't know if other people would know it, but there's stuff that I'm always holding back well, I'm from never saying. listening to you talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there's stuff that I'm always holding back saying in some of those episodes at the start, because I know that I still haven't gotten over that one thing, and I don't necessarily want to, like, make it public yet. But now it's like, yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> mm. I think that also plays into what you had said earlier about the uh, mental stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really like that point because that can be a very small mental story that you tell yourself, such as, um, you know, I'm trying to get over this X and that's why I'm doing this. Or it can be a big mental story of, I wish my life were this way, so I need to quit this job or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we... I feel like we are in a lot more control over those stories. Maybe not the initial story, maybe not the impulse, reaction, or emotion, but the general mindset of where things are going and how it's going to end up. I feel like we're in much more control over those stories that we tell ourselves, whether it's a victim story or a defeatist story or it's this is all going to work out someday story or it might be hard now, but I know it's going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and all those different things. So I, I, I wonder if, I wonder how you guys have maybe approached those stories in your lives. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it's like how do you even know that it's a story? I mean, we all we all have a frame of reference, so I guess we're always in some type of story to some extent, is what mm-hmm. I'm realizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, totally. <laughs> um, but. So so there's the acknowledgement that we're always in that because we only have our perspective, we only have our frame of reference, and we have to make meaning somehow. So I guess the question then becomes, if we know that to be true, then uh, how are the meanings or stories that we are creating, uh, what are they saying about our internal state and what are they saying then about how our internal state is manifesting in our external state. Um, So, I mean, for me, there's been times in my life when I've journaled a lot. And I actually haven't in the past, I would say, good year or so. But I'm actually looking right now, I think I have like seven or eight journals um, from maybe the past five years. So, Every couple months, I would journal and journal and journal, and and through that, I'd actually be able to, uh, maybe during the act of journaling, not necessarily recognize the story, but by looking back and seeing, oh, I had I had this perspective, and maybe this was healthy or not. It, it gave me uh, almost like I was reading someone else's uh, 
own story they had written out. And it gave me almost a third person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I could see the meaning that I was attributing. So that was something that was useful. For me, I haven't made it very consistent long term, but it, it gave me a platform then to look at uh, what I was doing. That is such a good point. Yeah, because I remember um, there, I had actually a conversation yesterday about uh, the lies that we tell ourselves uh, in order to get through different situations or difficult situations. And there's kind of the short-term lies, and this goes to, totally goes back to tr- how do you trust yourself. Um, there's the short lies like, oh, today I'm going to – you know, like this coworker, regardless of how much they might annoy me. Um, or there's the lies of, uh, you know, this relationship is working when it's really not and you're trying to fix it and you're trying to fix it. And there's lies like, um, you know, I'm the type of person that exercises, but you never actually go. But you just like want to <laughs> yeah. make yourself feel good. <laughs> um, I pay for a gym membership I, exactly, every month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the money's going to a gym, so I must be in shape. Um, <laughs> and I feel like those are the lies with that journals and this type of meditation. That I'm, I'm not, I'm not very good at meditating. I, I did it for a little bit, um, and it totally fell off. Um, but journaling when I when I had hit like thirty plus days in a row, and I just went back and read through a good 15 or 20 of them, I was just like, oh, yeah, all right. I've been lying (laughs) about a lot of things here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the words are the words. And especially if you're using like 750 words where you have to hit three pages every time you journal, it's it's exposing. It's amazing. (laughs) I don't know why, but I've never been one to get into journaling for as much as I love writing. And are you scared of what you might discover about yourself? No, I just, like, I do it, and I'm like, eh, I'm not getting much out of this, or... How deep do you go? I don't know, I guess I've never really have tried it, but I, but I suppose my my version of journaling is creating music, I suppose. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's my out. Like, I don't, I'm a rapper, Carl, I don't know if you know that, but... Yeah. Um, like, that, for me, is my outlet to say, like, these are the thoughts in my head that I want to put out, and that I need to get out of my own head. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I actually, when you bring that up, I realized even though I haven't journaled recently, I've started something um, in my iPhone notes where when I have, sometimes I get these really intense feelings and they just, I notice that I have like a word associated or a phrase associated with it. And so I've started creating iPhone poems. Huh. And, and uh, I, I've just posted a couple on Instagram, not many, but I have a lot of them uh, just in my notes section. And um, some of them are beautiful and some of them aren't, aren't great. You know, they're about random things on the street. But um, I've realized that, that it, the practice of me saying, mm, I feel something really intense right now. Let me whip out my iPhone and write it. Like, I just create these poems um, yeah. that, you know, it, it is cathartic in some way. Um, so that allows me... Not necessarily have to do with lies or anything, but more of a meditative practice back to the earlier conversation of just like putting that and releasing that. My iPhone note, little yellow sticky note thing in my iPhone is littered with rap rap lyrics that I come up with from time to time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that those things, because they hold up a mirror to you and make you see what's coming out of your head instead of, I feel like, I don't know, you watch a lot of people who maybe you're on the news and they, they're just the talking head commentators, right? 
I mean, how often do they go back and actually listen to what they said? Yeah. Or they just go, nope, I'm just going to keep moving forward yeah. and keep talking and see what comes out. Like, one of my favorite things about doing these podcasts is you go back and you have to listen to them and create show notes for them and you listen to them multiple times. And it, you know, something that you might say off the cuff with a group of friends that'll just get lost in the ether becomes much more concrete when you have to decide, um, oh, uh, everyone's gonna hear this. <laughs> yeah, and we're, and we're pretty honest on these yeah. on these things. So, and but we it don't is really, like you know. Like I'll listen back. To, like I'll have moments now where I'll be like, oh wait, we talked about that on an episode. I should do it differently now, or think this way about mm-hmm. it now because I remember bringing it up then, and I don't want to, you know, do it in the previous way anymore. Yeah. So I think. I have... Go ahead. Oh no, I I was just gonna jump to a question for you guys about a little bit about meditation, but more just about silence. And how much I, for a long time, just struggled with silence because it was so scary. And not I wasn't even actually doing meditation during this time, but like the act of just being with myself because I think we're so used to distracting ourselves mm-hmm. um, is just, it was overwhelming to me. And I don't know, I just wanted to see if you guys resonate with that or if you your feelings of when you are in silence or what happens when you sort of go in that direction. Yeah. I think, I mean, if, if I'm not meditating, it's, it's obviously way tougher to do. Yeah. Like I know there are so many times where like I'm eating dinner, I'll make dinner mm. and I'll be like, I should just, sh- I should just sit and eat this meal. But mm. then the TV remote is like four inches yeah. away and I'm like, no, the, I'm going to throw on Seinfeld instead. Yeah. yeah. It's comfortable. But then, yeah. like, conversely, I know one of my roommates, like, I'll come home and he'll just be eating a meal at the table with nothing else going on. And, I, mm. and I'm like... It's putty That's... It's putty on the airplane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, All right, are you going to read a book? You want something to read? No. <laughs> are you going to take a nap? Or... No. <laughs> you just going to sit there staring at the back of the seat? Yeah, but but that's it's it's almost like weird to do, but it's Mm. important at the same time. And I wish that was something I was and maybe I don't know. Maybe now that we've mentioned it, it's something I'll think about more. Hopefully, well, I've been constantly thinking about this for about the past nine, ten months. Uh, Because when I moved into this uh, sublease that I'm currently our our studio studio apartment uh, (laughs) (laughs) recording studio apartment. I purposely didn't get internet here and purposely didn't get a TV in here uh, in order to cut out, you know, Netflix binge watching and and things Mm. of that sort. And so I only have like an internet puck that, you know, I use very rarely for things like this. Wow. Um, You don't have internet in your apartment. Well, I'm also not in my apartment all that much, but I'm not because I have internet work, but um, no, I, I don't have it in my apartment right now. And it's. It, it leads to some interesting things. So the, yeah. the first thing was maybe I should have gotten some board games uh, <laughs> for my relationship uh, But uh, when I was in it. But um, also just the fact that I'm hyper aware of when I am distracting myself. Mm. So going back to the initial question of um, how do you know, what is it? How do you learn to trust yourself? I would say for there, there's 
I go into these like real big waves of I'm gonna just if I'm in my apartment I have to have a podcast on or something from like streaming through my phone to listen to or a book to read or something like that. Um, but then I'll also have those moments where I'm, you know, on the phone on Facebook and I'm like, I thought I got rid of internet for a reason <laughs> and I'm still sitting here just scrolling through this Facebook yeah. feed on a tiny phone. Um, but because it's so apparent because it's in my hand and I'm just kind of so focused on my hand, what ended up happening was I started getting uh, really bad lower back aches because I would always mm. be looking at my phone while I'm walking, looking at my phone in my apartment and I was always with my head down and I ended up this kind of plays into what I said earlier about, you know, stop listening to the podcast while you're walking to work or things like that. And what I would do is now I'll look down on my phone and be like, no, 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 you have to have good posture. You have to make sure you're looking at the things around you and I'll put the phone away. And so what this has done, while it hasn't necessarily gotten me off of, you know, the internet addiction, it has made me hyper aware of the times that I do pull out the phone as a crutch. Yeah. And now, because I'm aware of it, I can put it back away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've noticed myself doing that more and more as uh, the months have gone on. Yeah. that, And I think what's interesting in your case, and I, you have a history of doing this, is you take something to the extreme and then figure out how to back off to like the happy medium. Mm-hmm. Like, what, you know, last year, a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm going to cut out drinking out of my life for what was it like four months yeah yeah so you could figure out how far could you take it and then you know i know i can take it that far so now i can back off to whatever level is comfortable for exactly me. well and that's a that's a big thing going back to the first point which is um to really listen to your body and if you're you know we were doing networking events we were hosting events and we were i was out i that was also during the time where i had overbooked my schedule to the point of Pure events on events on events. Events on events on events. <laughs> and uh, and I, I might have already said this on one of the past ones, but there was a Friday night where, not because because I had stopped, I cut out drinking. It wasn't I cut out drinking. I, I cut out going out on Fridays and things like that. Um, and the goal was to see like what I would replace that time with mm. and how I would you know approach this new kind of. Um, it, like it, I almost wanted to, fe- I wanted to be like you know, late thirties. <laughs> I wanted to see what that's like. like <laughs> well, every other day when uh, someone was like, "Do you like that you're starting to get gray hairs?" and you're like, "I've been looking forward to this oh, day man. my whole yeah. life." <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait to be. Like, and have, like, but it was really weird because before that, I would have um, almost panic attacks if there wasn't something to do on Friday. I get mm-hmm. home and it would be quiet. Exactly yeah. what you said earlier. I'd be at home in a quiet apartment and if I don't find a good show on Netflix oh my gosh now I have to actually think and um, I just remember after there was there was one night where I came home on a Friday and looked at my phone and you know usually people would be like hey are you coming out are you coming to this thing and I'd be like oh no I you know I'm trying to stay away from uh, you know partying uh, right now but then there was this one night and I was like oh my gosh no one's texted me Mm -hmm. and I had like a little mini panic attack of like do I not have friends? No, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. Pushed, I pushed it too far. Yeah. Now I'm like, now I'm out. I'm outside, completely outside the circle. And then I actually, like, right after that initial moment of panic, I went, oh, wait. I'm completely outside the circle. And I put on a record. <laughs> I opened a book. <laughs> and I had a really nice night. I went to That's bed at, amazing. Like, 10.30 and woke up at 6 a.m. on Saturday and went for a run. I was like, 
this is great. This is wonderful. You know, as much as I like, and obviously I enjoy going out and all that stuff on weekends, I can't tell you the the, the weekends where like either I turn in early on a Friday night or don't go out Friday night, and I'm up at like seven eight a.m. on a Saturday, and I like you know work mm. out or something. I feel so good about my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is like you almost feel superhuman. Yeah, I know. It's like you know, people are like groggy, and you're like running past them. <laughs> yeah, I know. But then it's like 11 a.m., and you're like, I, I've I need done everything. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get, you get like 11 a.m. nap, and it's like, oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. But then yeah. I remember on like the flip side of it in college, and it's not that I haven't done it since college, but like. <laughs> I'm walking home from the 4 or 5 a.m. bar. The birds are chirping. The sun's starting to rise and people are going to work yeah. <laughs> on like the Friday morning because Thursday night is when everyone goes out in college. And you're just like, oh, this is not life. Well, this but, is not life. <laughs> well, it, it's funny, though, because it all depends on the company, too. And I think like that you guys have there was that one like really late excuse me, like 5 a.m. night where the birds were chirping, but it was all the under 30 crew. And like I mean, I, I think I had headed out a little early, but you guys, like, stayed out till the sun came up. But because it's that crew, like, everyone was just like, that's all you could talk about the next day. Yeah. Everyone was so pumped. It, it's almost like the exact same as I went to bed at 10, 10 p.m. and woke up at 6 and felt like a <laughs> uh, 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 god. It's, we were out so late and everyone had a great time. Yeah. We feel like gods. I don't know. Mm. I feel like the... And I like extremes, of course. Yeah. So um, I always find those to be really interesting mindsets because you kind of hit that loopy state where um, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, where if you're you know up till three, four in the morning working on a website, you kind of go into this. Um, I don't know if I wouldn't necessarily call it a meditative state, but it's just like there were nights where I'd be working at the Ideal Loft back when we had it, and. I'd be working on our website and 5 a.m. would roll around it and I would just be in that perfect zone of work. And it, it was just, there were no distractions. There was nowhere I had to be. I had the whole night to do whatever I need to do. And I don't want to ever make that a routine because that's not healthy. But mm -hmm. I, there were those nights where you get into a flow and sleep doesn't mm. matter because you are on point with what you're working on. Yeah. Uh, and I hear artists get into that quite often, or writers get into that quite often. Well, this actually goes back to one of the questions you asked me in the beginning, which is, you know, the daily practice. And something else that I try to incorporate is, one, knowing that every moment is a new moment, and I have the choice to do uh, to do what I want in that moment. So... Just because you know, I said, "Oh, I'm gonna, st I'm gonna come home early tonight." You know, I'm gonna come home at ten or eleven or whatever, and not stay out late. Um, and I then, but let's say, yeah, I meet up with a whole under thirty crew. We're having a great time. I'm feeling good. I I know that I want to have quality time with these people. I can make up my mind in any moment and change that. So it's almost like, yeah, if I want to continue working or stop working, I, I just ask my question, ask that question to myself is, how do I want to feel in this moment? Is this what I'm doing right now, uh, uh, meeting that feeling? And if the answer is, is yes, and I know it's, it's a healthy choice, not necessarily a, you know, I'm drunk and making the choice, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, if, probably not if asking I, yourself the question at that. Point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can say to myself, okay, you know what, this this is good, um, and and just keep keep 
you know, make, make adjustments as I need to. So that's almost learning how to trust myself in the moment is just because I said, oh, to myself beforehand, I'm going to leave at this time or go at this time. If I recognize that I can, what, whatever I'm doing is serving me in that time or serving people or whatever, you know, it's, it's meeting some need, I can continue or stop at any time. Yeah, I really do love that point because, um, one of the hardest things I think people have as they're trying to create these routines and practices in their life is the guilt that comes with failing at it. Mm. Um, so when I tried meditation and then I stopped, there's a lot of guilt around that. Or when you say you're going to wake up at 6 a.m. to do work, but oh no, I overslept, there's guilt with that. Um, and I think the guilt almost hurts more mm. than missing the goal um, in the first place. Cause as you said, every moment's a new moment. Every day is a, is a fresh new day. And if you use apps like Lyft, which I've used in the past to track um, habits. The ride-sharing app? Oh, no. Yeah, no. no, the well, other it's, ones? It's called, <laughs> called Coach.me now. But, okay. Um, but where, where you say, like, all right, this week I've got all these – I've got this, this, and this I want to do. I want to wake up every day. I want to journal every day. And I remember with 750 words, I, I, set, uh, I signed up for their 30-day – their monthly challenges – where you have to put a penalty or a success um, or a prize to to whether or not you finish the challenge. And I tried to put a big penalty. I said, $60, I'll donate to this website if I don't journal every day. And the first day I didn't journal, I was so upset. It, it ruined the whole day. Mm. And I was like, I can't believe I did that. Now what's the point of even doing this the rest of the month and so on and so forth. But it's the totally wrong mindset to have mm -hmm. because the right mindset to have is this is a practice tomorrow. It's not, oh, I screwed up once, never journal again. It's, well, maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and journal. How can I make that happen? What what things can I do to right now in this moment to make that easier tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. Along those lines, and this goes back to the idea of like what techniques do we use, um, what's really helped me with that is getting like really into yoga recently yogurt yeah no yoga <laughs> and you know at first it's like you look around at the other people in the room and they're doing you know whatever pose better than you they're getting upside down all that stuff and you're like oh man i'm not as good as them but what through you know through the instructors as they talk about how to you know go about yoga during the class and just through doing it every day you start to see like there's no need to compare yourself to the other people who are in the room. They Even also... when they're levitating exactly. and you're just <laughs> struggling with downward dog. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but like with that mindset, it's like, you know, everyone else there started practicing yoga at a different time in their life. So how could you possibly say that you're worse than them or better than them because you're doing the pose differently than them or you don't you don't do it as good or you do it better than the person? So then why did we get grades in gym class? <laughs> <laughs> It never counted on the GPA, though, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that, that's something that's really helped me, though, is like this idea of, like, should I really be comparing myself to so-and-so, or should I just be happy for that person for being able to do it? And that carries over to, like, the stuff with our business. Very much you know, carries like, over to stuff. I look at someone like, like, so Matt Wilson, right? He was our first guest. He started a podcast after us, and he's probably going to make it on the iTunes new and noteworthy very soon. 
And I don't look at that and I'm like, motherfucker, Matt, you asshole. I'm like, right on, dude. Like, good for you. Like, I'm very happy that what you're doing is working very you well got for you. a good 10 years on us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. A, a backlog. Yeah, exactly. He might have yeah, he might have started a podcast after us, but he he's done so much business-wise more than us and before us. So I'm like, you know, I'm not surprised that he's ascending faster than we are. And I'm, I'm happy for him instead of being mad at him. So I think that comparison aspect is huge. And then the other part, too, is with the point of like you know the guilt or like the do you stay up late or whatever i think there's a lot of times i think particularly with building businesses is we think there's more people who are watching than actually are or Hmm. more people who are paying attention than actually are so like uh for instance there was a time a couple weeks ago you know at this point with idea 11 i've gotten pretty regular with the emails that go out it's like monday we'll be promoting the podcast and then tuesday and thursday will be a particular story slash blog post you get via email and a couple weeks ago I was like oh shit it's Tuesday night or it was Thursday night and I hadn't had anything written and I was like freaking out for a moment and I was like but wait I don't think people are sitting at their desks going where is this goddamn idea limit (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile I'm sitting at my desk saying where is this (laughs) 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 I'm waiting for something to shoot holes in damn it Raj (laughs) But that kind of thing, you know, like it's like removing yourself and being like, how many people are actually paying that close of attention to this? And are, you know, like who's really noticing your exact process? Only well, you. And are. if their goal is to point out the things you're doing wrong in a negative way that shoots you down, they're probably yeah. not someone you care about anyway. Right, yeah. Like if they're saying, hey man, saw a misspelling, just wanted you to know, <laughs> like versus, hey man, why don't you edit your site, you loser? <laughs> like, no, like that's not the right person to be caring about. Yeah. Well, and then then it goes back to like, what is that person? What is their mental state? Like, they just are obviously projecting something onto onto you. And that's My something I've had to. Learn. In middle school, told me you have to have the Oxford comma. <laughs> that's all. You know what they say about the Oxford comma. What's that? Who gives a fuck Nobody. about an Oxford? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What song is this? Someone the other day, or a couple months ago, posted some article about how a semicolon should never be used in non-academic writing. And never use the word very. If you use the word very, according to my AP English teacher, you are lowbrow. Oh. Or or just. Just is <laughs> something bad in email. I just wanted yeah. to check. Oh, I hate that just when that happens. <laughs> it's the most, like, dead fish handshake version of, like, do asking someone for something. Hey, I just thought I'd see how things were going. Did you get that contract signed? <laughs> I think it's very cool that it's <laughs> just, you know, a great word. 
man. We should we should go back and count how many times we've already used those mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I want to count all the likes we've used in this. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're running up on our end time here. That was pretty quick. <laughs> uh, we had fun time. That was awesome. <laughs> Before we wrap up, Carla, um, tell us about Tea and Purpose, what you're working on, where people can find you. By yes. the way, I'm, I'm tr- I drank a cup of tea in your honor today. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. And it, it was uh, done with purpose. It was. It was. Purpose oh, of the podcast. On purpose. <laughs> so one of my several projects is uh, an organization I started called Tea Plus Purpose. And really what we do is we host small groups uh, for women. Right now it's just New York and Seattle um, to get together and connect more deeply with themselves but in community. So we have monthly topic areas, themes, and we host like sort of a facilitated discussion. Um, so we're reshaping things for the fall uh, where there'll be just uh, 10 women going through the same program together. Um, so that is up and coming. But if you go to the word TEA, word plus, purpose.com, a um, whole bunch of info. And uh, I also... Uh, I'm coaching as well. So I coach in particular uh, men um, around uh, empathy and emotional connection and deeper uh, intimacy among their, you know, partner and and within their, you know, friends, connections, uh, and developing a deeper connection with themselves. Um, So that has been a fun process and uh, always you know, looking to meet with new people and learn about their stories. So there's more details on the T Plus Purpose website. And in in my life, I do a bunch of different projects. I am a marketing consultant for a bunch of different um, uh, girls and women in mental health businesses and just having a good old time in Brooklyn. (laughs) Right on. That's amazing. Um, and you also recently gave a TED Talk. Do you want to let our listeners know the title of that so they can look it up and we'll throw it in the show notes too? Sure. Yes. Yeah, so I gave a TED Talk called Why There's Freedom in Discomfort and goes into some of my story about, I'll just give the high level, uh, about losing my job, breaking up with a boyfriend and getting bed bugs all within three months. And how I sort of then connected with myself uh, through just the silence and then launching T Plus Purpose and putting out more love in the world. Nice. I've had bed bugs before. I don't know if I want to admit that on air, but I, they're, they're not fun. Yeah. <laughs> get, out of my, get out of my studio. <laughs> <laughs> it came from transferring a mattress like when I was moving apartments, and it was in like the flatbed of the U-Haul pickup truck. Um, you shouldn't yeah. move your mattress yeah. on the and L. It's, yeah. it's very strange. <laughs> yeah, well, I should put it in one of those zipper bags. <laughs> Anyways, to wrap up, let's go uh, one by one sharing our answer to the question, how do you learn to trust yourself? We'll start with Martin. We'll go to me and then to Carla. Uh, so I think the first step to trusting yourself is to um, get your thoughts out of your own head and identify the lies that you tell yourself so that you can ground yourself in what reality is in your own world and own life and then begin to tell yourself the truth of what you actually believe and feel. My answer is start doing something that only you 
that you're doing because only you want to do it, not because someone told you to, not because you think you're supposed to, but because you truly want to. And, you know, it could be anything from journaling to making music to even just going for a run. Just pick one thing that you really feel like, yes, I'm doing this because I really want to. Or as your book says, do what you love. <laughs> I have a, a WeWork notebook that we're writing in here. Page one, do what you love. Page two, how do you learn to trust yourself? <laughs> but then by doing that, you start to see like what you really care about. And and you start to just naturally have thoughts about like why you enjoy doing that one thing. And that starts to expand across the other things you're doing naturally. Awesome. So mine's not going to be too surprising, but it's uh, really just listening to your body. And what does that mean? That means, um, you know, finding and, and feeling, feeling, not th- just thinking, but feeling what you are, uh, what and who and why you're attracted to particular things um, and understanding that, I mean, energy exists and you have an energy and, you know, there are projects and people that have energies too and so how can you trust your body your gut um to be attracted to those right uh projects and people that have similar or different energies whatever you uh feel is right for you right on carla blumenthal thank you for joining us thank you so much oh thank you so much for having me it's super fun that wrapped up our conversation with carla blumenthal Carla, thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. I think we got into some really deep stuff, and I think we'll all be able to better understand ourselves and learn how to trust ourselves as a result. If you, the listener, liked this episode, could you do us a favor? Subscribe to our show if you don't already. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes as well. Ratings and reviews help bump us up in the searches so that way more people can find our show and more people can discover their inner awesome. And who doesn't want that? Let's run through the show credits real quick. This episode contained a snippet from the Seinfeld episode, The Butter Shave, as well as a snippet from the song Oxford Comma by Vampire Weekend. Lastly, our show's theme, which you hear now, is Chris Leamy's Summertime, available on iTunes. That does it for this episode of Discover Your Inner Awesome. Thank you again to Carla Blumenthal for joining us, and we'll link up all of her information in the show notes, so check that out. For Martin McGovern, I am Rajiv Nathan. This has been another episode of the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Until next time, we'll see ya. Just the same time. Just the same time. Chuck.